Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The doctor is out. It's time for a must-have seen TV, the podcast dedicated to the sitcoms of the 20th century from I Love Lucy to News Radio. And I'm your host, TV guide and senior reporter producer for Decider.com. Brett White, and this is a special episode that is uh, going to be different than any that I've ever done before, but it's really special and near and dear to my heart and hopefully y'all's heart as well, because this is the one year anniversary of Legendary Gaze of Sitcom History, Hayden Rourke, an episode that I did last Pride Month that uh, I did not know at the time, but has completely changed my life and has dominated in a good way the last year of my life and has given me a uh, purpose, a direction during the hardest year of my life and also yours as well, I am sure. So what that episode was a year ago, if you haven't gone back and listened to it, uh, I did storytelling episodes last Pride Month about secret gays of sitcom history, legendary gays. Not your Paul Lins, not your, I don't know, even your Richard Deacons, although I did want to do him on the podcast. Uh, the ones that you don't know about a lot, or the ones that you might not even know were gay. That included um, a bunch of directors like Arthur Lubin, uh, also Dick Clare, the co-creator of Mama's Family, who is cryogenically frozen. Um, again, I always tell people to go back and listen, listen to that episode because the story was wild. And tip of the iceberg, that seems on the nose. And then I discovered Hayden. I knew Hayden was gay already. I found that out in the summer of 2019, I do believe, um, just by doing the usual Googles around, <laughs> searching uh, for Pride Month coverage, I think, actually. I think that's why I discovered it. And so then I was just going to do dedicate like a third of an episode to him. Um, it was going to be him, Richard Deacon, and I can't remember who the third one I was going to uh, talk about. I think I did all my research research on Richard Deacon, and then I did Hayden, and when, just the information that I could find on Google um, blew my mind, touched my heart, and showed me a alternate version of history that I um, didn't know existed, and I had to do the entire episode all about him. And then after I did it, my husband was like, isn't this a book? Like, isn't... <laughs> I think he noticed how much fun I was having researching all this history, which is something I really enjoy doing and tracking down mysteries and being a tiny private eye, not a stalker, a private investigator, a journalist. And it clicked. I This might have even been something that came up in last year's um, Golden Girls episode with Frank DeCaro and Jim Colucci, where I th 
I remember talking to them, might, might have been off air, but they were like, oh no, you'll write a book. And I was like, I don't want to write a book. I, that seems like too much work. And they're like, no, it's a lot of work, but you'll you'll do it. You And you'll want to do more. Uh, and they were right. Um, and uh, really, they were right like two weeks after I taped that episode, probably. And so I'm writing a book and I've now been working on it for a year. As of today, June 23rd to June 23rd, that is a full year, and the progress I've made um, is a lot of fun, and I think that if you're into I Dream of Genie or this podcast or gay history or TV history, I, I think that this topic is incredibly interesting, and today, to celebrate it, I want to just talk about the progress that I've made as well as share some exclusive tidbits uh, with you, the listeners who get this podcast for free, so it's not like not behind a paywall, and it's not that exclusive. It's exclusive if you have a device that can download podcasts. But whatever. Um, the progress that I've made, I'll start by I'll start by doing that. Uh, oh man. So I have over the past year. I'm just okay. I've conducted 39 different interviews, a total of. 31 hours, 14 minutes, and 26 seconds of interview content <laughs> that has all been transcribed. Uh, well, almost. It's a That's a pain. Uh, the people that I've talked to, and this is, again, I think very interesting. Um, from the I Dream of Genie cast, I have talked to Barbara Eden. I did a whole episode right after I uh, talked to her about it, how excited I was. Because uh, when you just get a call from an unknown number and you answer and it's clearly Barbara Eden, it's a it's an interesting feeling. It's uh, surprising, shocking, etc., etc. But in, in addition to Barbara Eden, I have also talked to uh, Larry Hagman's daughter, Bill Daly's first wife, and Bill Daly's son. Um, both Larry Hagman's daughter and Bill Daly's son uh, knew Hayden as children and remembered going to his house. Patrick Daly, Bill Daly's son, has really, really important, lovely, uh, profound stories about how being around Hayden and Hayden's partner, Justice Addis, uh, shaped his life, um, which I'm proud to include <laughs> in this book. I also talked to uh, Sydney Shelton's daughter. Sydney Shelton created the show and... The big get, which, I mean, is a big get if you're, like, a genie fan, is Emmeline Henry's sister. Emmeline Henry played uh, Amanda Bellows, Hayden's TV wife, and no one knows anything about her. And, as I discovered, a lot of the stuff that's on the internet about Emmeline Henry is not true. Um, and so, by talking to Rosemary, her older sister, by the way, her older sister, who is, like, 95, but was an absolute joy for the half hour i got to talk to her she's just a little just like a little firecracker i really i really loved talking to her and she gave me just really great insight onto who emmeline was as a person um as well as again information that well i guess i can say it because i updated the wikipedia page emmeline harry had a husband Everyone has operated under the assumption that she was never married. She was always a TV wife. She was John Aston's TV wife, Hayden Rook's TV wife, um, uh, Mickey Rooney's TV wife, but never married. It's it's literally a fact, a trivia on her IMDb. Not true. She was married to the actor Mark Roberts. They were married from 1969 to 1974. And I found the marriage certificate and divorce certificate. So that is now on Wikipedia with sources cited. And I... And that just blows my absolute mind that there was just a marriage between an actress that, like, 
classic TV fans know and enjoy. And they just didn't know this. And that's... <laughs> That's wild. Uh, you might also know her husband, her ex-husband, Mark Roberts. He also went by Robert Ellis Scott, Mark Roberts, Bob Scott, Robert E. Scott. Like, he had a whole bunch of different names. He, um, he, yeah, he has he has a pretty solid uh, Wikipedia entry. And he also has children that are still alive that I need to track down because Emmeline Hernery was their stepmother when they were children. And she was on I Dream of Jeannie. And I need to talk to them about that. So I will get back to searching for them other people that i have talked to i've talked to a bunch of colleagues um butch patrick sent me an email uh, earl holloman who did some plays with hayden i talked to him on the phone mitzi gainer who was also close friends with hayden i got um email comments from her mackenzie aston who was in i dream of genie 15 years later who didn't have any scenes with hayden but just told me about you know working on that uh production and you can also go back and listen to episode 100 of this show where mackenzie and john aston talked to me about the adams family and i have a hyperventilation inside over meeting john aston and truly surprising ed asner i have talked to ed asner on the phone about hayden um Hey, Ed doesn't remember Hayden. <laughs> I don't know. Like, they didn't really know each other. But I found a newspaper article that Hayden was heavily involved. Uh, he marched with the SAG strike in 1980 that Ed Asner was spearheaded. So I got some quotes from Ed about that strike that Hayden was part of. And the reason I reached out to Ed Asner is because Hayden, in an interview, said, like, I'll be joining my friend Ed Asner on the picket line. <laughs> so I was like, well, let's shoot my shot. I've also talked to a lot of family members. So I have talked to uh, hey, two of Hayden's niece-in-laws. Or, okay, hold on. It's his niece-in-law and then one of his step-nieces. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, I also talked to Hayden's partner. Hayden had a second partner after Justice. After Justice passed in 79, he met another man. Uh, they were together from 82. Hayden's death in 87. And I have talked to him a bunch. Uh, it's been really... Um, profound and special just in general uh, the reason this project means so much to me I've discovered um, is that it's really underlined how little gay history there is for people of my generation and below uh, the AIDS crisis took all of the men that could be my mentors our mentors our artists our storytellers and it wasn't until I did this project that I realized I'd never talked to a gay person, a gay man, um, over the age of 60. Uh, and I didn't know it was this hole in my life. I didn't know that I was missing this, like, tether to a history until I was able to talk to not only Hayden's partner, but as a couple of other um, actors that worked with Hayden on some plays. Uh, it's just been really special and great. And I got to meet Hayden's partner um, in person. We had lunch at a uh, bear burger after the world opened up and we were vaccinated because <laughs> we live close to each other, but couldn't see each other over the past year. I also live very close to a lot of uh, Hayden's in-laws. So Hayden's partner, Justice Addis, had two younger half-brothers, and I have talked to both of them. Um, I've met uh, one of the half-brother's wives, the half-brother's wife. Um, we met up. She gave me all of uh, Hayden and Justice's World War II tour photos to scan, uh, which I have done and 
there are about, so about 130 of them. It's that this is the army tour with Irving Berlin. Um, now I'm kind of wondering if I should have done an overview of what Hayden's life was at the beginning of this, but you know what? You should have listened to Legendary Gaze of Sitcom History, Hayden Roark. <laughs> By now. Or or you've also just heard me talk about this uh, all the time. So yeah, I've talked to two of uh Hayden's brother in laws, uh Justice half brothers, um Justice's sister in law, Justice's nephew, a cousin, like a lot of family. I've talked to Hayden and Justice's uh neighbors who like lived in the house next to them from the fifties up until well after Hayden passed and that Hayden's house went to his nephew and then to his nephew's partner, etc. I've talked to the doctor that treated Hayden Rourke, <laughs> uh, which was a very uh, fun and interesting conversation. He definitely remembered Hayden. Um, and I've also talked to one of Hayden's uh, like really good friends who was an intern. I always say he was an intern. He was like a production assistant on Bewitched in the makeup department, and he also worked on Genie and like you know saw the Genie people because they shared a lot. And he became very good friends with Hayden because everyone became very good friends with Hayden. And he actually was uh, just happened to be in L.A. at the time that just passed, and so he stayed with Hayden for a couple of months, just making sure that Hayden got through his you know essentially his husband dying uh that's really yeah really sad but um and then i've just talked to a whole bunch of other like fans and stuff so i mean like yeah it's been a it's been a busy it's been a busy year um now i think that's actually a good place to transition to some questions that i got from listeners and stuff because uh friend of the podcast and former guest alex lake uh asked me who are your top five dream interviews for the book which hello that's what i was just literally talking about so perfect transition um i don't even know if i can limit it to five or you know do i count all three of emmeline henry's stepchildren as one you know what i I want to talk to them that is uh important there is also a man that Hayden was with between Jess's passing and meeting his uh, second like long-term partner and I have been trying to get in touch with him I have (laughs) sent so many letters to a lot of addresses and I am trying to find him because from what I understand he went on an like an Alaskan cruise with Hayden Rock Hudson, Ross Hunter, the super producer, like <laughs> their partners, and I need to know all the details about going on a cruise with Hayden Rourke and Ross, uh, Rock Hudson and Ross Hunter. Um, who else? I needed to talk to Gavin McCloud, and Ed Asner actually gave gave me Gavin McCloud's phone number and was like, "You should call Gavin," um, which I should have because uh, he passed, and that's um, really. Upsetting on a number of levels as a fan, as someone working on this project, because Hayden worked with Gavin on Andy Griffith's show that did a guest spot, and then Hayden did a guest spot on Love Boat, and I've heard that Hayden might have auditioned for a regular role in the Love Boat. Um, I need to find out more information about that, but I'm trying to not beat myself up about being too nervous to call uh, Murray Slaughter, cold call him on the phone. (laughs) That's that's. Uh, surreal I, I i couldn't i couldn't work up the nerve um other people i need to interview now i'm just looking around my room at pictures of old uh sitcom stars uh clint eastwood 100 percent, because 
Hayden and Jess were very, very, very good friends with Arthur Lubin, who was a big time director who discovered Clint Eastwood. And not only that, but Jess, Hayden's partner, directed a whole bunch of episodes of Rawhide, Clint Eastwood's 60s Western. And there are articles about like them having dinner parties together in the in the 60s. So Clint Eastwood definitely knows Jess Addis. And I would uh I would love to talk to Clint Eastwood. I that is that is punching so far above my weight, I don't even know where to begin. Uh because the other one is Liza Minnelli. And I do know where to begin there, and I have begun and heard nothing. Uh which again, it's Liza Minnelli. <laughs> Jeez. But uh, Hayden and Jess were friends with Vincent Minnelli, her father. Um, and in an article, I found Judy Garland and her a later husband, Mark Heron, who himself would come out later uh, and be one of Hayden's very close gay friends. Um, we're at parties. Like I found a, a party listing where, where he's there. So where she where Judy Garland is at Hayden's house. So, yeah, I need to talk to uh, Liza Minnelli as well. And Bill Moomy. And Linda Carter. So honestly, like, Bill Mooney should be easy. Uh, (laughs) He's not Linda Carter. Uh, And I've tried every method uh, to get in touch with him and nothing has happened. And he's very active on social media. And I don't know if it's just like, you know, it is hard. Um, There's a lot of good filters in place that keep randos from just sending you, uh, you know, unsolicited messages. So I understand. Uh, But I'm trying to do something good here. And he... He worked uh, very closely with Hayden on uh, Whatever Happened to Baby Custer in season one of Genie, but then he also was on Lost in Space and just directed, I think, two episodes of Lost in Space. So he's, again, one of the few people still alive that worked with both of them. And then Linda Carter, Hayden worked, uh, he did, I think, episode eight or nine of Wonder Woman he was on. And I've heard anecdotally that Linda Carter was very, like, loved him and asked him a lot about acting, because I think that that was, like, her first big acting role. So I I have a feeling she would remember him. Uh, Also, you know, Wonder Woman gay icon Hayden. I'm making him a gay icon. It just, it makes sense. I need to talk to her. And yes, I think that is it. If anyone has any uh, intel on Clint Eastwood, (laughs) Liza Minnelli, Bill Moomy, or Linda Carter, definitely hit me up. Um... Also, uh, it's me, Jess PB asks more monkeys, please. Not a question, I guess. Um, was the genie belly button thing real? So two things. Monkeys actually, uh, has a part to play in this because monkeys was a fellow screen gems show and it was on the lot. And in, uh, both Larry Hagman's daughter and Bill Daly's son, when I asked them about like how cool it was going to the genie set, both of them were just like, oh yeah, the monkeys were great. <laughs> <laughs> because they were you know they were like 10 and so the monkeys were like peak monkeying around at that point and they were just like flipping out that they got to see the monkeys and go hang out on that set as well so that's a funny little thing uh and the genie belly button belly button thing was real it it became more real okay so Initially, I just think they designed the costume and just designed the costume. Like, I don't think they specifically set out to hide her belly button. But there was a lot of pushback from the networks about the pilot because it was, you know, a unmarried man living with a beautiful, (laughs) for 1960s terms, half-naked woman. Even though, really, it's just a midriff and arms. Uh, And if you, um, Barbara Eden doesn't even consider Jeannie a a human or a woman. Like, it's kind of like a... 
Darcy Carden, um, Janet on the good place. <laughs> it's like not a girl, not a woman. <laughs> that, that's that is how Barbara Eden views uh, Jeannie. So they they had to do a lot of acquiescing and stuff to like placate the network, and it became more of a thing when there was a there was a proposed laugh-in crossover where like a bunch of laugh-in stars would appear on Jeannie, and then Barbara Eden would appear on laugh-in, and on there they would like show her a belly button because you know famously Goldie Hawn like the the dancers and whatnot on Laugh-In, you know, were very scantily clad. Um, like, made Jeannie look like a nun. Um, but uh, the networks didn't like, they did not like, they didn't like centering an event around showing Barbara Eden's navel. Which, I mean, yeah, it is really, it's kind of creepy and exploitative. But also it's just like really harmless and stupid and like funny. I, and I also know they definitely didn't kibosh it because they were like, Oh, we have to protect her dignity. It's probably just because they were uh, easily scandalized. So, yeah, it was really a thing. Uh, it's very, very weird. Um, Jeez John on Instagram asks, would you like your Hayden bio turned into a film or a limited series? This is something that Hayden's uh, sister-in-law, who I have talked to a whole bunch, uh, is very emphatic about limited series <laughs> which is great i mean like I, I really enjoy all the words of encouragement that they all uh give me and she's always like think limited series like it was really beautiful when i reached out to her the first time she was like we've been waiting for this like we've been waiting for someone to care about this like mid-century happy gay romance and i very much care um but yeah i I would like it. I mean, I think a limited series would honestly be great because this is something that is happening a lot on Netflix right now, which is part of my book proposal. Uh, there are a lot of mini series and stuff, especially from Ryan Murphy and his Netflix deal that are really exploring gay history, either through documentaries, docu-series, and especially like original, like limited series like Ratched uh, gets into a lot of like gay life in the late 40s, early 50s. Uh, Halston explores it in the 70s into the 80s. The, the Boys in the Band, um, which was a you know movie adaptation of the play by Mark Crowley. Like, there's a real sudden interest, really over the last year as I've been working on this, in gay people telling our history. And so this book really, really fits strongly in that. Uh, I want I would like Andrew Reynolds to play uh, Hayden because they do look alike. I mean, I think Hayden has a very distinct look. Like, I mean. It's a lot of forehead. <laughs> I don't know how to say that. I love the man. I don't know how to say that without it sounded like a a, a bully or something. But um, Andrew Reynolds has that. And again, and I think it's also helpful if you're going to do like a life story, you'd need a, a younger actor. He's in his early 40s to play because, you know, it's easier to like old age them up than to young age them down. For the um, I Dream of Genie cast, I did fan cast um, Andre Vermeulen as Barbara Eden. So look her up. She was on uh, Angie Tribeca. She's a UCB performer, so that's how I know her. She, I, she looks so much like Barbara Eden. I, I never realized that until I thought of this, and I think it's great. Uh, I think that Bo Burnham would be a good Bill Daly because they have that kind of like slackery, goofy energy, but also like you know smart. Um, Sam Page, Joan, uh, Joan Harris's, Joan Holloway's husband on Mad Men, I think is a great Larry Hagman because boy, oh boy, Larry Hagman gets dark. <laughs> you need an actor that has the range. Uh, and then Andrew Reynolds in, uh, in, in a little bit of older age makeup to play, to play Hayden. I think, oh, and, um, Zachary Quinto would be a great Jess Addis. And I also, and I think that like, that's how you get the thing made is you're like, here's a, true-to-life gay historical romance from World War II all the way through, you know, the AIDS crisis. 
even older than World War II, honestly, starring Zachary Quinto and Andrew Reynolds. Like, I think that, you know, that, 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 that's a, that, that'll get sold, um, hopefully. Uh, so <laughs> there's, I'm like about a million steps away from that happening, but that's where my mind does go. Uh, Anthony Nunez02 on Instagram asks, what's your favorite part about writing about Hayden? And I have, uh, I've, I've mentioned it as about the, the therapeutic aspects of all of this, which I, I'm not going to, uh, turn this into a therapy session. That's what my therapist is for. But I will say that the past year, discovering the story of a gay couple in the mid 20th century whose families accepted them loved them uh like parents like took children around them like were not afraid to like have their kids around gay couples which is still still a panic in some parts of the country seeing that there was this almost like alternate version of the past where it was actually possible again for you know, cis white uh upper class upper middle class upper class actors like obviously it's going to be easier for them but just seeing that there was not everything was awful not everything was horrible and that he didn't have to hide and didn't hide that's been really emboldening um and I, I think it's also about like asserting and taking our our history back because I think like growing up gay, uh, coming out as I did uh, when I was twenty one uh, alone in Tennessee, I had no gay friends, had no gay mentors, did not for a long time. <laughs> you feel you know you feel shame, you feel again disconnected from history because they're not, it's not taught. I didn't know what Stonewall was until my second boyfriend told me about it. Third, if you count the guy I came out for that's too personal <laughs> but like to finally at the age of 36 find all this history and and have it be rich and nuanced and varied and like all the stuff about the gay soldiers that did drag for uncle sam and how the this is the army uh platoon brigade camp was very gay a lot of gay a lot of gay soldiers in there and accepted and after the war, still accepted. Like, I think that this is the kind of, these are the kind of stories that need to be told because we always lie to ourselves and say we're always living in the most progressive time possible. Like, well, at least it wasn't back then. And it kind of is like, hey, no, the kind of acceptance that, that I'm asking of you, bare minimum, is the kind of acceptance that Hayden and Justice family gave them 70 years ago. So we're 70 years in the future. You could step up above what they did 70 years ago. I think that's important. That's what I love the most about working with them. And also meeting all these people. Like I, I really do consider um, Hayden and Jess's families. Uh, they're very special. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm really honored to have been able to meet them. And also Hayden's good friend who was with him when Jess died like it's been really really moving getting to talk to all of them and to have them welcome this process into their lives <laughs> and me uh, a person who just grew up watching this show and all of a sudden I'm like inserted into Hayden Rourke's legacy which is very uh 
surreal. Um, and last question at Edwards, Michael Edwards on uh, Twitter asked, did Hayden ever miss out on a role because he was gay or was suspected of being gay? And I don't think so, but I don't know. I do know Hayden didn't, he was not closeted. I think, but the thing is, is he had, well, you know, we'll get into this actually into the next section of the podcast. But in general, I'm going to say, I don't think so. I do think that there is one instance where he did miss a big opportunity and there is like a 10% chance it might have been because he was gay. Uh, and that is the thing I can't talk about because I don't have any verification. Like, I have you know anecdote. I'm trying to find out actual uh, information, which, again, when you're dealing with subjects as old as this, hard to do. So uh, on that note, I am going to do the risky thing. I have no idea if this is uh, recommended. But for people that have listened this far and have also been along for the ride, I wanted to read for y'all. So over the past six months, since since the week between Christmas and New Year's, I've been I've shifted a lot from doing research and interviewing and et cetera into actually like getting this book sold, like getting the book proposal done and actually like taking the steps that I need to take to make this a reality so that I can actually go into the writing of it with support uh or also just like resting assured that i know it's gonna happen it's gonna happen no matter what if it could just be like dumping it all on a medium i will not do that though i'm going for a big publisher mark my words and that's that involves starting with the book proposal uh my friend laurel randolph who is a published cookbook author she has the unofficial the unauthorized uh simpsons cookbook coming out this august um she's a guest of the podcast did the seinfeld i think it was like episode four or so one of my dear friends. So she has walked me through the book proposal process and been such a help. And I got that done. And then it was writing sample time. And the writing of the book has been a source of anxiety for me because I, I'm i a fast writer. I'm a good writer. I've written so much and I write every day for work. So I know I can do it, but I've never done anything this length. And so I had no idea how my process goes into a writing of this link and also what my voice sounds like when I'm doing a biography. And again, it was talking to Laurel and really uh, um, comforting me and assuring me that like biography can be whatever you need it to be, uh, that my voice is valid in that, in that process. And so writing the writing sample, 15,000 words was daunting because I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Okay. Jump again. Uh, And I did it. And I did it in like two weeks, two, three weeks. And I don't know how, um, but I did. And it was very easy. And I think it was easy because I've done 11 months of very meticulous research. So (laughs) it all flowed. And now I'm at 17,000 words and I am going to, uh, I'm starting to polish that up. And because I also just want to prove that like this is happening, I kind of just want to read parts of what I've written. Uh, which might be embarrassing. I don't know. But I just want people to know that like this is happening. I've done this and I'm excited about it because I really I really do like what I've written. Uh, and <laughs> that feels weird to say because writers are supposed to be like, it's garbage. And I'm usually like that. But not here. So the book is right now titled The Doctor Is Out, The Unashamedly Gay Life of Hydrum of Genies, Hayden Rourke. And the reason it is titled that is, well, obviously, the doctor is out as a pun on out of the closet and doctor is out. Uh, 
<laughs> the unashamedly gay part is uh, sets the stage for a part of what is going to be one of I don't know how many I Dream of Genie chapters. I set out to write two chapters for the writing sample, and one of them ended up being seventeen hundred. 17,000 words. So I think the genie portion is going to be huge, which that's what you want. You want the the thing that people come for. You want it to be significant. So we're going to jump into a section that I'm also right now calling genie uncorked. I don't know if that's, again, all of this. This entire chapter could be scrapped at some point or rewritten from ground up. But this section of the, uh, the section of the section is called setting the record straight, pun intended. Production began in earnest in March 1965, and the cast and crew worked hard and fast. Jeannie's production schedule was upended when Barbara Eden revealed to Sidney Sheldon that she was pregnant. Eden, a humble sweetheart, feared that she would be replaced since she was expecting, and Jeannie's costume was, well, Jeannie's costume. Her worries were immediately assuaged when the show set out to film as many episodes as possible as soon as possible. A total of nine episodes went into production in March alone, with another three in production August 1965, mere weeks before Eden gave birth to her son Matthew and Sarah. For the last stretch of filming, Sheldon and the directors hid Eden's pregnancy behind a series of veils and close-up shots. Thrown into the deep end of turning out episodes lightning fast, Hayden had to make a decision that every gay person has to make upon starting a new job. Will I come out to my new co-workers? This is something that gay people still have to do in the 21st century, even though homosexuality is more accepted today than yesterday. But still, straight people, anytime a person you've just met mentions being gay, having a same-sex partner, or any celebrity crush know that there is a very good chance they are doing that deliberately to come out to you right away. Hayden also had the added wrinkle of being a public figure and a homosexual in Hollywood when that was punishable by law. Uh, I have to check and actually make sure that is true. And definitely public scorn. To this day, many I Dream of Genie and classic sitcom fans are still in the dark about Hayden's queerness, and they only learn about his personal life from two sentences on his Wikipedia page, sourced from Barbara Eden's 2011 memoir, Genie Out of the Bottle. They read, In his private life, Hayden was unashamedly gay. He and his partner, Justice Addis, lived together for many years in Studio City along with their menagerie of dogs. That's it. The complexity of Hayden's experience as a gay man navigating an international tour of duty in World War II and Blacklist-era Hollywood. The pain of being listed as a friend on his partner of 40 years' death certificate, the anachronistic acceptance he and just found in their extremely Catholic families, the dozens and dozens of people whose attitudes towards gay people were forever changed by knowing Hayden Rourke. All of that is reduced to two sentences in Eden's memoir. And both of those sentences are incredibly inaccurate summations of Hayden's life. Let's start with sentence number one. In his private life, Hayden was unashamedly gay. The details of when Hayden's homosexuality came up on the genie set have been lost, partly because matters of that sort just weren't discussed openly between co-workers back then. Eden has been quoted as saying that Hayden was never closeted. As she recalled to me, well, you know, we didn't even think about it. It was, wasn't something that was discussed. It just was. What is clear, however, is that Hayden was unquestionably out 
on set. Maybe no one talked about it with him, but everyone, from Sidney Sheldon down to the makeup department, knew that Hayden was, you know... There was no difference between his private and public lives. The truth is that Hayden Rourke was unashamedly gay, period. The man Hayden shared his life with for seven years after Justice's passing in 1979 said this matter-of-factly when asked if Hayden was ever closeted. He said, He didn't hide who he was. He didn't. As I said, he was Noel Coward. He developed that character. For an older gentleman to be very elegant and dashing and a little bit flamboyant, it was completely acceptable. Because if you were a Hollywood actor, that concept of what an actor was and how they behaved, it was 100% acceptable to be himself, you know? Because you just have to shrug it off to, well, that Hollywood actor, you know, of course he acts like this. He doesn't act like my friend who's the factory worker over here. But that's acceptable because of who he is and what he does. That's also how I Dream of Genie director Gene Nelson remembered Hayden as well. And Nelson served in World War II with Hayden and Justice and a platoon of other gay men. He had this pseudo-sophistication that I just loved, Nelson was quoted saying in the book Dreaming of Genie. Hayden was homosexual. He and Just Addis lived together for over 20 years. They were a pair. Just was very straight acting. Never in a million years would you know he wasn't straight. Hayden could slip into a slightly effeminate demeanor. He was in so many English plays he had adopted this marvelous English manner so he could get away with a little fey gesture. I don't think most people knew he was gay. Hayden's partner echoed this sentiment, saying he was also very lucky that his voice was in quite a low register, and you know, he had quite a dashing deep voice which is not associated with gay men. So it seems like, when it comes to outing himself to the people in his life, Hayden took a laissez-faire approach. Details about personal offset relationships most likely wouldn't come up in conversation. Eden admitted that she never asked Hayden how he met Just, just as no one asked her how she met her husband either. But as Eden recalls, Jess was welcome on the set and was the co-host of the many, many dinner parties the couple threw for the cast in the house that Hayden and Jess owned together. And if there were any doubts about these two men being essentially husbands, dinner guests often used white napkins that were monogrammed with Hayden and Jess in blue. Platonic roommates do not get monogrammed napkins together. Moving on to sentence number two. He and his partner Justice Addis lived together for many years in Studio City along with their menagerie of dogs. This sentence is so close to being accurate and then it just completely goes to the dogs. Hayden's partner was Justice Addis and they did live in Studio City together for 25 years. They did not, and this cannot be stated clearly enough, have a menagerie of dogs. They did not even have a dog, let alone many dogs, with which to constitute a menagerie. This bizarre little factoid has followed Hayden for decades, popping up on trivia sites, in newspapers, and in multiple books. At least Eden's memoir left out the even weirder aspect of this rumor, which was presented in Dreaming of Genie as fact. Rourke and his partner Jess Addis lived a quiet life together in Studio City, California during the Genie tenure, and they remained in that home for years, along with a number of basset hounds and beagles, in the dog show circuit, Rourke became a well-known breeder of champion bassets. None of this is true. <laughs> no one remembers Hayden and or Just ever owning dogs, let alone basset hounds. Justice's half-brother visited the Studio City home in the 1950s. When we saw them on that trip with my father, I don't remember dogs at all. I'm trying to imagine Hayden as a breeder of basset hounds, and it just does not click with me. 
His wife chimed in with some logic. It would mess up their clothes and everybody always talked about how well they always looked. The house remained dog-free into the 1960s and I dream of Jeannie's run. Bill Daly's son, who spent a lot of time at his Uncle Hayden's, said, I don't remember dogs. I don't remember any Basset Hounds at all. This would be in 68, so maybe the Basset Hounds came later. They did not come later. Multiple people who visited the house frequently in the 1970s, including Justin's cousin, were equally perplexed by this dog rumor. Same goes for a dear friend of Hayden's who lived in the house for a few months in the late 70s. Hayden's partner in the last years of his life confirmed that Mr. Rourke did not spend those final years showing off Bassett's at dog competitions. And lastly, the smoking gun of this investigation. Barbara Eden doesn't remember him having dogs either. No, I don't remember that, said Eden before adding a laugh. And their bark is rather distinctive. (laughs) The only person who vaguely remembers a dog being in the house is actually Hayden's niece-in-law, who visited the house frequently in the 70s. While she doesn't believe the Basset Hound thing, she said that she thought they might have had a small dog, more like a Westie or something. Could that little Westie have actually been a fluffy gray cat? That is likely the case, as most of these people recall Hayden and just having a cat. I remember the cat very, very, very vividly, said Bill Daly's son. I could pick the cat out of a lineup. So how did an off-the-wall bit of trivia about dog breeding, of all things, affix itself to Hayden and follow him for decades? I traced the rumor back to a little bit of newspaper trivia, the kind of cutesy fact that would get syndicated nationwide in entertainment sections, presumably to fill up empty space and layouts, It's attributed to no one and appears in dozens of newspapers starting in February 1968. The blurb reads, Veteran actor Hayden Rourke, who portrays the bewildered Air Force psychiatrist on NBC's I Dream of Genie comedy series, has gone to the dogs. Literally, Rourke has become a well-known breeder of champion basset hounds and beagles. No author, no source, no quote, nothing. Just a persistent lie about basset hounds that can finally be put to sleep. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Okay, so clearly that is a fun section. That is not, um, I'm done reading, by the way. Uh, that part you know it's not i mean it's also like i'm not like trying to take down barbara eden or anything either but i just think it's very interesting that um like memories are fluid and also things that just get published 50 60 years ago just like 
get repeated and like make their way. I honestly do think it was most likely that Barbara Eden's uh, co-writer, the woman that like helped you know sort Barbara Eden's thoughts out and put it into her memoir. I'm assuming she probably did research and found that article and just like put it in there. That's what I and which is like totally fine because that is you know that's research. I mean that's that's like what you did. I am the only wild person who found all of their relatives and asked all of them about dogs. <laughs> I'm really anxious about like giving away all the goods for this book that is probably still like a year or two away from coming out. But um, I talk about it all the time. And so many people are so gracious with their help and their excitement and interest that I, 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 I want people to know that the work is being done and that I, I think the work is valuable and fun and new and important did i say important already <laughs> uh so thank you so much um for all for all the the help and the attention etc um i i still have uh an excerpt like interview with jackie cox and mike kelton when when they did their genie episode last uh fall i i did a whole thing where i told them all about hayden's life and got the reactions to it and i cut it from the episode because it's more for the book than the episode and i I want to I want to release that at some point. I don't think I'm going to do that today though because this episode has gone on a while and y'all got two like one and a half sections. I don't know if they're chapters. They're they're something. <laughs> they're, they're chunks of a 70,000 words I've written. Um and there's still there's still so much more uh fantastic stuff about their lives. I'm having to talk to y'all about his brothers, Jess's brothers. The 80s. So much stuff. Um, but anyway, yeah. Thanks, everyone. Um, thanks, y'all, for hanging out during Pride Month on the show. Uh, please follow Hayden Rourke on Twitter at Hayden Rourke. That account is run by myself. I got the account. Um, I post, uh, I need to remember to do this, but I, I post, you know, on this day in history, Hayden did X, just did X, etc., etc., etc. Uh, also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at, at Brett White. There is an Instagram for Hayden and Jess, but I'm not doing anything with it because I have too many Instagrams. <laughs> but I did, I got the name. Uh, I think it's at Hayden and Jess, I think. Um, thank you so much. Uh, if if you have any, please, if you have any reactions to any of this episode, please let me know. DM me on Instagram, DM me on Twitter, email me musthaveseentv at gmail.com. Uh, I would love to know if this is interesting <laughs> or, or if you enjoyed this or if you have questions. I am always up for questions. Uh, this is a journey that I'm going on and it's a part of my life. So it's a part of the show. Uh, and, and and I hope you enjoy the ride. I, I did not expect this would be part of this podcast when I launched it four years ago. Five years ago? 2017 four years ago we're good okay um thanks everyone uh i the podcast is going on a little bit of a hiatus again um probably take the summer off uh i'm gonna investigate doing a patreon maybe in august and do bonus episodes and whatnot but you know we'll we'll see about that please keep in touch though again at brett white at must have seen tv at hayden rourke thank you all for listening thanks to Acast for hosting my story time and i will see y'all this fall on must have seen tv
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 